we're starting our new series today and uh, chasing the American dream. I'm so excited about it. And, uh, uh, you know, I was thinking while we were watching that video, only Dave Ramsey can call us stupid. I mean, my goodness, he is so funny. Well, if it's your first time, again, hold on. I'm a little different preacher than most people. I actually um, enjoy having fun. And so I'm going to take a tough topic today and we're going to have a good time in the midst of it. Amen. Um, I, I was thinking about this, you know, if you missed our last series, you might want to go back and find it. Um, it's, it was magnificent. We were talking about, really about the end times. Pastor John did a great job, and Pastor Jonathan and Miss Jamie, they closed out that one service, and, uh, just talking about the, 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 the book of Revelation. And, uh, and I was thinking about this uh, last night, uh, or this week, um, you know, Bible was talking about the beginning of birth pains, and that how you could tell that the end was about to happen. It said there'd be wars, rumors of wars, the Cubs would win the World Series. It had this whole listing of things, and so I'm pretty sure it started. I just want to throw that out there that I'm pretty sure Tony Romo is no longer quarterback. I mean, there's a couple of things that were listed in there, so it's in your Bible. Go check it out. (laughs) I'm being silly. Let me pray over us. Father, anoint your word. Lord God, may your word do what it's called to do to transform our lives and and uh, accomplish that for which, Lord, you put it in there for. And, Lord, may I, may I be a, a clean vessel, Lord God, for your people to receive from. May I hear what you want me to say and say it accurately, Lord God. In all the fleshliness of who I am, Lord, remove that out of the, the presentation, Lord God, of your word. And may it, may it live true. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. So as we go into this series, uh, Chasing the American Dream, I have a number of goals that I want to happen over these next four weeks. And I want to lay that out for you a little bit so you know what we're after. First and foremost, I want all of our lives, uh, all of our life motivations uh, to line up with what Jesus wants our motivations to be. Somebody say amen. Also, um, I'm believing that you would receive a revelation of God's prosperous dream for your life. His plan, you say, oh, are you one of those prosperity preachers? Well, I'm I'm definitely not one of those poverty preachers, so I'm not sure where you line me up at. But I am a person who preaches the word of God. And if it's in there, I believe it. That settles it. God, bl- God bless you. And so that's exactly what we're going to be doing is looking at the word. I've seen uh, that message mishandled. And so you'll see, uh, I think, a good balance in it. Also, my, one of my goals is to break strongholds of poverty off of you and your family. Uh, your father is a good father. And uh, just like you, never intend to, uh, to, to make your children impoverished. You don't want your children living under a, bri- under a bridge. You don't want your children suffering and difficulty. Uh, your father is even a better father, and he has none of those desires for you as well. So we want to break strongholds of poverty. And then I want you to be able to learn bi- the biblical plan that God has in his holy scriptures to prosper you. He has a biblical plan. He has an A plus B equals C. It's in his scriptures. You're not going to like me talking about it, but I'm going to talk about first fruits and the clarity that rings out all throughout scripture about tithing and giving offerings. I'm not doing that because I need more money. I'm doing that because I want you to prosper. I want you to live according to the plan that he has for you so that you all your days can enjoy this life. And as we jump in today and this first segment of chasing the American dream, it's critical that we even understand what is the American dream, what was the American dream, what is it supposed to be. And hopefully today, when we leave here today, we're clear on what God's dream was with the United States of America, and we as Americans, uh, that we could live that dream as God intended it. And so to start with defining the American dream, we have to go back to 1776, where the founding fathers literally wrote down their expectation of what the dream for citizens of these United States would be. And they penned it clearly in the Declaration of Independence. We'll put it on the screen. It says, and we hold these truths 
to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Somebody ought to shout amen right there. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among them, and they list the top three, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That the founding fathers of this great country of ours wrote down that these are the three critical components that are given to us by God to all men, all men and women, no matter their skin, skin color, no matter their financial status, no matter their educational background, that these are unalienable rights given to us by God. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, compare that as the bedrock of what the American dream is or what it was in 1776 and compare it now to what we would arguably define as the American dream being, if you will, the pursuit of materialism. Literally, who, he who has the most toys wins. And there seems to be there's never enough. And I want to kind of give you a quote. Uh, Chuck Baldwin, uh, in his article that he wrote about can you imagine this country, and he maintains that the American dream is not... Uh, we hear much today about the American dream, and by the American dream, most people mean buying a big house, driving an expensive automobile, making a lot of money. However, this is not the dream envisioned by the founding fathers. Remember that for the for most part, Americans, uh, America's founders gave up their material wealth and substance for something they considered to be far greater worth. How dare, it gets all kind of ticked off here, how dare Americans today refer to the material gain as the American dream? It is not. It is the freedom to honestly pursue one's goals that should be celebrated. Material gain is only a fruit of freedom, not its root. Somebody say amen. I thought that was a powerful statement. And as we kind of compare the original American dream with the now American dream, I think it's critical that we look at these three pieces, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I would say to you that these three principles, they did not derive these from the king of England. They did not get these from some distant shore. They didn't get these three principles um, from uh, the, uh, uh, what, was, what we now call Russia. They didn't get it from China, uh, Eastern mysticism. They got these three principles straight out of the Word of God. Life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and I'd like to kind of show you that for just a moment let's start with the word life that each man by God has been given the right to pursue life and that comes straight out of the book of John chapter 10 10 where Jesus qualifies that the enemy Satan himself the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. It was Jesus who said, I have come that you might have. God the Father sent me, God the Son, to bring you life. And that you may have it to its full. Unfortunately, we live in a generation where Christianity is dead and, and seems to be, uh, you know, uh, 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 anti-prosperous, if you will. And it's just, you got to go do your duty. you got to just kind of make it through. And that's not at all what Jesus said. He said, I have come that you might have life. So when the founding fathers put that in the declaration, they were bringing that straight out of Scripture. Therefore, what I'm about to prove to you is that the American dream in its original form was actually God's dream for you and me. Come on, somebody say amen. That we would have life, liberty, and the ability to pursue happiness. The second piece that they 
coined here is liberty. And uh, that, again, is straight out of the Holy Scriptures that Jesus, when he said it like this in John chapter 8, verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, Jesus came to set us free, that you and I would live in liberty, that we would have freedom. Uh, one of our, one of our uh, international uh, um, folks who work with us, uh, 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 Michelle, she serves in our kids' ministry. She's been an amazing kids' worshiper uh, leader for us. She was just, uh, we were just at a kids' retreat. And we were planning out 2017. And she sat with Jamie and I. And she told us she's from Saudi Arabia. And she cannot leave the house without her brother or her father, if you will, taking her out of the house. She's only approved. And if they forget her paperwork that proves that she's okay to leave the house and that she belongs to these two men, if you will, her brother and her father, have the right head over her. That her in and of herself as a female in Saudi Arabia has no rights. Come on, somebody. That this nation, this great nation called the United States of America, that you and I could live in freedom. And that actually has been the dream of God the Father for you and I from the beginning of history. And Jesus said it clearly that the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Jesus also said when he was quoting that passage out of the book of Isaiah, he he said, I have come to set the captives free. To proclaim that this is the year of God's favor over your life. Jesus, that's why I'm here to tell you, you don't have to live in bondage anymore. You don't have to be bound up. You don't have to be controlled by anything. You say, oh, I'm, I grew up in the United States. I don't even know what it is not to be free. Can I tell you something? If you have to drink a case of beer to enjoy your friends, friend, let me tell you something. You're not free. Let me explain something to you. If you have to lie to people to make the sale so that you can get a good paycheck, friend, let me tell you something, you're not free. Let me explain to you what freedom isn't and what it is. If you have to have sex in an attempt to find love, friend, you're not free. He came to set you free. Listen, if you have to lie and cheat and steal and manipulate to get a position in politics in this great nation, friend, you are not free. If you have to have the latest and the greatest product that Apple just put out, or you don't, uh, you don't have any self-worth about yourself, friend, then you're not free. If you have to uh, uh, struggle to sleep at night because you're scared that someone's going to steal all these possessions that you've worked so hard for, friend, you are not free. See, he came that you might be free. He says, I have come to set the captives free. You don't need to be bound any longer to the fear of being taken advantage of. Friend, let me tell you something. Though the nations rage and though people take advantage of us, at the end of it all, we sit with him in heavenly places. We will reign with him for all of eternity. We will have the great banquet of the Lamb. And then from that point forward, we'll spend eternity with him. Who? What is it? What can man take from me? What can they steal from me that I'm not willing to already give. Come on, is this freedom or not? This is what our founding fathers understood freedom was. That it wasn't this chasing after stuff. It wasn't the accumulation of possessions. That it was the ability to be able to pursue the God dream for our life without anyone stealing it from us. Without anyone uh, keeping us from it. This was the dream that the founding fathers penned in the declaration, but they got it from the Holy Scriptures. This is what God's plan for you and me has always been. And then the last one, and to pursue happiness. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, it says, For the joy of the Lord 
is your strength. I love that, 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 that proverb that, that literally, it says it like this. It says that a merry heart is good medicine. You know, God has always wanted you to enjoy yourself. I, I've told you this before. His children, Israel, he made them do seven parties a year. How about that one? How about if your boss says, now listen, guys, y'all are making too much money for the company. You're sitting around here working too hard. Every year from this point forward, you're going to have seven parties. They're going to go for a couple days, some of them. You're just going to eat. You're going to play music. You're going to dance around the office. You're not going to do anything but enjoy yourself. This is the God. I want to work there. This is the God that you serve. This is what he put into place. And this old dead religious. See, listen, can I tell you? It is not spirituality to be stoic and in the presence of the Lord. It is, it is not maturity to not be able to enjoy yourself and laugh and shout and dance and throw your hands up. Friend, God, your Father, who loves you with all of his being, literally spoke into us the ability and put inside of our DNA the need for and the ability to enjoy ourselves, to find happiness, to pursue it all our days. Isn't that good? Say amen. This came from the scriptures. This is, where these, this is where the founding fathers got these principles for, from. This is what the United States was founded on as, if you will, the American dream. And I love the fact that true happiness only comes from the place of knowing the creator. You say, oh, listen, I bought this and I thought I would be happy and it didn't make me happy. Friend, let me tell you something. It is only in finding the purpose for your life that was built into you by your creator and sharing that life-giving interaction with your creator that brings true joy and happiness. What are you pursuing? You're not pursuing getting the biggest house. You're not pursuing getting a better job. You are pursuing the Lord your God. And in that pursuit, literally in that pursuit to find life in him, listen, to find freedom in him and to find happiness in him, all of your dreams will come true because it's his dream inside of you. So if he put his dream inside of you, the only way it's fulfilled is inside of him. This is the breakdown of an entire generation and a nation at times if we're not careful. Look at this, uh, look at this quote um, that uh, uh, Samuel Adams made. At the finishing of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, look what Samuel Adams said. He says, we have this day restored the sovereign to whom all men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven, and from the rising to the setting of the sun, let his kingdom come. Let me, let me paraphrase what, just, what, what this statement is all about. As they sign this declaration of independence and, say, and basically are saying, we will no longer submit to the injustices that the king of England is putting on us as we sign this and we declare the dream for this country is that everyone is equal where they get that from they got that out of the holy scriptures it says in god there is neither jew nor greek slave nor free male nor female friend they got that from the holy scriptures as well and as they sign that and say from this point forward the dream of these united states is that we can pursue from god the gift that all of us have from god this this right that we possess to pursue life liberty and happiness as they sign that Samuel Adams shouts out this day we have set 
God in his rightful position as the head of this nation, as the Lord of our lives. We have set, and that his kingdom would shine forth to all the shores, to all the nations of the world as we have established the right order of God's dream for these United States. Friend, can I explain something to you? We were rooted and grounded and founded in the Lord our God. In God we trusted and in God you and I still trust. Isn't that good? Say amen. Come on, you can do better than that. Say amen. So Forbes magazine, Forbes magazine a couple of years ago uh, kind of collected the top 40 or 50 people of influence at the time. And, and, uh, and some were actors, some were politicians, uh, some, some were, you, uh, you know, uh, in the arts and fields like that. And, uh, and they asked them, what is the American dream to you? And I read a bunch of them, you know, Tyra Banks said, you know, that girls, you know, can live their dreams if they work hard and had a work ethic and different ones like that. And then I came across my old buddy and friend, Chuck Norris, and what he had to say about the American dream. I was expecting him to talk about cracking arms and and, and skulls and stuff like that because he is the karate king, all right? But this was his response, and it was so good. You can see the picture that we got to meet with Chuck Norris one time. That's not a poster. I know that looks like a cutout, but that really is him. It's just a lot of good plastic surgery. Anyway, and so with that being said, here was his statement. Watch, listen to this man preach. He says, I believe the American dream is not something we've invented, but inherited. When our founding fathers created our country, Thomas Jefferson penned that dream in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I used to think the American dream could be obtained through the accumulation of possessions, positions, and prestige. The truth, self-evident to our founding fathers, eluded me for far too long. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is so much more than fulfilling our own dreams, doing what we want, and feeling good. It's about using our God-given potential to make a positive difference on this planet. Notice in the declaration that life and liberty are coupled with happiness. Not money, status, or materialism. Come on, Chuck, preach it. Well, excuse me. Anyway, why not the latter? Because they are fleeting and fluctuate just like the stock market. The one constant in life is also the source of all things in the declaration. Their creator. Our founders trusted not in the supply, but in the supplier to acquire life liberty and happiness and encouraged us to do the same there's a verse in the bible that summarizes it for me he said instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches but on god who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy when you've got god you got the gold and all you need to achieve and experience the american dream come on give it up for chuck norris Wow, Chucky boy. That boy was preaching. So with that being said, let me bring you to the center point of what the real American dream out of the Holy Scriptures and us as Christians, what our real dream should be. What should we then pursue? I think we made it clear that we shouldn't be pursuing material possessions. That, 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 that loving God and living the dream for our lives are found in God and found in Him and not, and not in and of ourselves or what we accomplish or what we get. And so let's put it in perspective out of where Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. You could consider this the key scripture for today's message. It says, but seek 
first his kingdom and his righteousness. Say it with me. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. One more time, just seek first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, in this passage of scripture here, as Jesus is teaching and preaching in in, uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapter 6, earlier verses, he goes into this discussion. He says, why are you worried about money? And why are you worried and pursuing all these things? He's talking about what we're talking about today. He says, look at the birds. They don't toil, and yet they're fed. God the Father feeds them every day. Look at the beautiful flowers. They don't, they don't dress themselves in all of their beauty, and yet they're gone tomorrow. And he says, how much more does your Father care about you? He says, but let me help you put it in perspective. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Everything else, he'll supply it for you. Why are you worried and upset about all these things? And I thought the Message Bible really kind of translated this thought pretty good. You know I normally don't read the message, but I thought it'd be fun today. In verse 30 of Matthew 6, If God gives such attention to the appearance of the wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you. Do his best for you. What, am I, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you do know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Isn't that good? Say yes. That's just so good. And so Jesus literally qualifies the peace that's so important. Because Frank, can I explain something? If your motivation is right, then your actions will be right. If your motivations are wrong, no matter how many times you run for president, your actions will be wrong. See, if what's on the inside of you, what's pushing you, see, every morning you and I wake up and we're motivated to get out of bed. Somebody say amen. It's not a good motivation, but we get out, right? We're motivated. What's motivating you? What motivated you to come to church today? What was the motivation that you could see your friend, that you could experience the Lord? What was the motivation? And Jesus qualifies for us in Matthew 6, 33. The motivation should be this. Seek first the kingdom. Just to know God. Just to know Him. And in your pursuit of knowing God, in your pursuit of His life, His freedom, and His happiness, all these other things will take care of themselves. You'll get all those added to you as well. And this is the problem with the prosperity message and that it's taught us or it has said, if you pursue this, then you'll get this. If you give this, then God is bound by His own principles to give you this. And that's a misappropriation because the motive is wrong, the actions end up wrong. Are you there? Because the motive of the heart is off, because of the desire of the heart is off, the actions end up being off. And this is why this whole uh, Matthew piece fixes it, and and it it literally puts it in perspective. Let let me illustrate it like this. So, so Sean, help me out here. I want to draw a straight line to Sean. He is my goal. I want to reach him. And so I'm using this tape measure just to get a straight edge, if you will. A piece of string wouldn't have worked. Now, where I have the base of this thing focused is where it's able to exude from and hit the mark. Now, if I just a little bit turn from my my center point and 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 just if i just get off just a little bit at the base let it go if you will if i just let it go a little bit at the base so right now while it was pointed right here it went straight to sean but if i get off just a little bit it's even hard to see from way back there josiah if you'll help me 
So the starting point is just barely off, but look how far off the end point is. And this is where I've watched many of my friends who love Jesus, who started in Christianity, they just wanted God. But somewhere in the midst of being a Christian, they got caught up in God blessing them. And it was more about the cars that God was blessing. Then it became about the position at the church and being known by everybody. Some of actually had a gift to speak and communicate. And now it's about them selling their books and about how many sermons they can preach and how many people pat them on the back. They started in the right, but just a little bit of a different angle at the base of it all throws it all off at the end. I've, I have friends that I love with all of my heart that were so passionate for God that just couldn't wait to win souls and make disciples. And now I know them to be people who barely even go and commune with the body of Christ, much less communicate God's love to a hurting and dying generation. How did that happen? Because when they started, it was right there and the end result was so right on. But just a little bit of turn brought the end result so far off. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things be added to you. If you seek the things, then you'll look up one day and you no longer have the relationship with the one true God. And this is what's happening in the United States. We got off from loving and pursuing life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in who? In the Creator. That's what was written in there. That the Creator has given us this ability to seek Him out through life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But what happened was in the blessings that the United States has experienced over these 250 plus years or whatever it is, right around that range, all this blessing that we've received, now we're seeking the blessing, we're seeking the gift, we're seeking the materialism. And somehow by saying, because we have that, that means God's for us and that He's with us. But what we've done is we've gotten off kilter just a little bit at the baseline. And so as we go into this series, I can't... I can't teach you about prosperity. I can't teach you about uh, coming out of debt. I can't teach you about the heart of God and how he wants to prosper you. If your center point is off, then all you'll do is take those teachings and manipulate them to get what you want instead of chasing after Jesus to get what he wants through your life. Isn't that good? And so let me kind of illustrate that in, in this passage in Matthew chapter 19 where Jesus is approached by Matthew chapter 19. We'll look in verse 16. He's approached by a rich, young Ruler, come on ladies, that's what you've been believing for right there. A, a rich, young ruler. This is the dude. Everybody say success. He is on the front of Forbes magazine. He's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. That means he's, he's got power. He got power. He's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. He's young enough to steal that he looks sexy and all that. He's wearing all the suits and stuff, and he approaches Jesus. He says, Jesus, I'd like to have a conversation with you. That's what he is. And look how he opens it up. Now a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what, look, look at his words, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Think about his motivation. What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Hey, I'm smart enough to know that all this is going to come to an end, but I want a big paycheck at the end. I want the big mansion stuff. So what do I got to do to get the mansion stuff? What do I have to do to get what I want. Do you see the manipulation and the motive? He didn't come to Jesus and say, you are God. What do I do to know you? He said, I see that you're God. What do I do to get what you have for me? The tweak in that motivation is the difference between heaven and hell. Is the difference, is the difference between God's prosperity 
and worldly possessions accumulating, still making you miserable. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? What does it profit a man? The Proverbs. To gain whole world, yet forfeit his soul. I think about Michael Jackson every time I look at that passage of Scripture. I, th- I, I, I think about uh, 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 what was the guy who was rich in the 50s with the airplanes and stuff. Howard Hughes. Think about him. And, and Howard Hughes dies in his own feces burning $100 bills in his fireplace because he's so scared that everyone's going to take his money. I think about Michael Jackson who could never enjoy life because he was so driven. He was so beat down. Why? Because he never pursued the kingdom of God and its righteousness. But he had this gift. And so you say, oh, it's so sad how many people did him dirty. All those things are true. All those things are terrible. But at the end of the life, at the end of his life, he was a miserable individual. Yet he had all the money, all the prestige, and all the, all, anything he could ever want. Friend, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit? His soul. So this young man comes to him. He says, what must I do to get the big paycheck? I want the big junk, man. How, what do I have to do? And Jesus calls him on it. He says, why do you ask me about what is good? What, why do you ask me about what good thing you need to do? And he goes on to, he takes it away from doing to relationship. He says, there is only one who is good. If you want to internal, enter eternal life... Obey the commandments. In other words, if you want to actually get to heaven, if you actually want to, won't you develop a relationship with the one who is good instead of trying to figure out what good you can do to get his stuff from him? Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you ask him the wrong question, son, because of the motive of your heart? See, his, he's still standing right there by Jesus, but look where his trajectory is at. Just a little, little, a little, a small degree off, and look how far the end degree is off from the finish line. And he continues on. He says, he says, well, then just go ahead and obey all the commands. And he says, which ones? The man inquired. Do not murder, Jesus said. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father. He just starts going down through the law. He just starts going through the Ten Commandments. Don't do this. Love your neighbor as much as yourself. And, and then he, he responds in verse 20. Look at this young. You can tell he's young. He responds and goes, all of these I have kept. Like, first of all, you ain't done the lying part right because you're lying right now, sucker. All of these I have kept. And he, says, and he says, what do I still lack? Can I tell you something? When you approach God about what you lack so that you can get what you want, you've missed the boat. I'm trying to help you. The American dream, the God dream for your life is for you to have a relationship with Him that's so wonderful and so powerful and he talks to you and you talk to him. Friend, when you have that relationship, I don't care. You, you don't care where you live. I've lived in big houses. I've lived in small houses. I've been in nice hotels. I've been in places like, dear Jesus, please let me live through the night. I have preached to thousands. I have preached to myself. I mean, I, listen, I have, I have had nice clothes and I've had clothes that I've worn for six years straight because it's all we could afford. I've eaten nice food. I've eaten food that was still moving that no one knew how to kill. It's like, how do we kill it? I don't know. Just eat it. Swallow it. Can I tell you something? When that is off, when the pursuit of knowing God is off to pursuing what I can get from God, this is where your breakdown happens. And this young man has, quote, kept all the commandments. He's been doing good, but he still doesn't know the God of the good. Because he's trying to get something good from the God of the good. Instead of just having a good relationship with the great God. Continuing on, he says, well, if you want to be perfect, then go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. Can you imagine that statement? 
He's rich. He's Forbes magazine. His identity is in that picture. This is who he's talking to. He says, and then come follow me. And verse 22 encapsulates the whole concept of what's plaguing our country and many of us even today. When the young man heard, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He had great wealth. See, by our standards, anybody who's rich and young and ruling, he's a success. By God's standards... He's a person who goes away sad. What's this guy's name? What's his name? What did he end up doing with his life? Nothing. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. He's another dust in the wind. Oh, you are. That's what he is. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Had he went, yes, my God. I will serve you with every bit of who I am. I want to know you. This money doesn't mean this prestige. I don't care. I was born to this wealth. I don't want it anymore. I just want you, God. And he'd have done what Jesus said, went and sold it all. Let me tell you what would have happened. He'd have been the 13th apostle. We'd all been like, man, bro, you gave up what? Oh, what, what, what? You were the man. Because none of the rest of them were rich. He'd have been the guy that all of you guys that came from prestige would be like, okay, okay, I get it. I got to be like Tyrone. Tyrone, the 13th apostle, was magnificent. But he missed it. He went away sad because his dream was to be rich and to young and be young and to be powerful, which is the same demonic plan the enemy has for each and every one of us now. He's waving it out in front of us. Opposed to look at this, the Apostle Paul, who is, if you will, the 13th apostle. Look at the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11. He says this. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared, every, I, don't want to, I don't care about anything else, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Skipping down to verse 10. I want to know Christ, he said. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And I'm willing to embrace the fellowship and share with his sufferings, because I know he suffered, and becoming like him somehow in his death. And so somehow to obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul, who is at this point in his life one of the most prestigious theologians of his day. He studied under Gamaliel, who is still in Judaism, considered one of the greatest rabbis in Jewish history. This is his, He is protege. He is Gamaliel's po- protege. That's going to give him wealth. That's going to give him power. That's going to give him authority. And he said, listen, I lay it all down. I don't even care about all those things. All I want to know is Christ. I want to understand the power of my Savior. And I'm willing to lay down everything and go to that cross with him and somehow to obtain to his likeness. I just want to be like him. This is the surpassing greatness that I'm after. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else, I don't know, it doesn't really, it'll be taken care of, friend. Do you know something? When you're laying on your deathbed and you're surrounded by your children and your grandchildren, they won't care what kind of house they lived in. They won't care how many, how many hours you, uh, you did or did not work so that you could build, uh, buy them nice cars and have nice boats and have fancy watches and dra- dress nice. They will only know what you've invested in their life. And as they stand there as alcoholics, drug addicts, uh, wife abusers, or whatever it may be, you will breathe your last dying death, even having brought them to church, saying, somehow I missed something along the way. I'm telling you what the something is. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is the pursuit of your life. This is the pursuit of my life. And as you lay there, though you may not have had a lot of money, though you may not have been super wealthy, and your children, because you have pursued the Lord your whole life, will stand around you with tears coming down their cheeks and say, thank you. Thank you for showing me the God of creation. Thank you for teaching me his ways. And thank you for living it out in front of me. You were never rich. We were, ne- we were never invited to the White House. But I'm telling you, we're going to the big, big house. And I'll be there with you in just a little bit. Hold my spot, Daddy. I'll be there in just a little bit of time right behind you. Friend, this is success. And this was the original American dream. Whatever it's become now. Whatever you think it was and and, and the life that you've lived is not what the 1776 Declaration of Independence declared it as. It was that you and I, equally, no matter the color of our skin, no matter where we came from, no matter what nation we came from, that we could boldly pursue life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And that God's not against us, but that He's for us. And as we serve Him and run after Him with all of our heart, He finds a way to take care of us. Can I tell you something? I've never made lots of money. But I have have been on some of the most beautiful beaches the eyes could ever see. I've done missions work in places where I thought, how do I get to look upon this kind of beauty? And you paid for me to go. You supported me. Thank you. No, you weren't there. But those people, I knocked on their doors and they gave me money. It was awesome. I, I I have spoken to leaders of nations. Little old me. I've had the privilege to run Bible schools and affect thousands of people around the world because I just pursued the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And He's taken care of my children. He's taken care of my wife. He's taken care of our needs. We've been, there's been joy and peace in our home from the very beginning because where we started from was right. Our motivation was right only because he delivered me from the other motivation and once he delivered me from it and I saw it my goal with today's message was that you and I would come back to center point we come back to what really matters listen God is going to prosper you you're going to drive nice cars but are the nice cars driving you or are you driving them I heard a preacher one time he was preaching he said my son he didn't have a vision for prosperity He said, so you know what I did? I took him in our Rolls Royce. I had the driver drive us around. He said, and I said, look at how they look at his son. Look at how they look at his son. See, that's a king's kid right there. That's a king's kid. And I was so grieved. I was like, God, you got to be kidding me. God spoke to me as clearly as he's ever said anything to me. He said, I don't care if you have a Rolls Royce. I don't care as long as you're willing to pick that bum up and give him a nice ride to the next place where he can have shelter and food. As long as you're not worried about him throwing up on that nice leather. Because if you care more about the leather than you care about that soul, then you've missed the boat. Because those possessions are simply tools to bring souls to the kingdom of God. Not so that you and I can live lavishly. Jesus Christ himself had a treasurer, so he had money. But money didn't have him. Isn't that good? Stand with me all across the room. So as we jump into, into this series, the starting point is that our hearts... Our hearts get right with the Lord. And that you and I embrace the fact that His dream for us is more about a relationship with us than how many gifts and toys and blessings He can give us. I want you to close your eyes with me across the room.
And I want you to ask yourself a question. Have you pursued things more than you've pursued the giver of all good things? Has your motivation been more about getting to work and back so you can pay that house note, pay that car note? I've got friends that don't even go to church anymore. They got saved. God started blessing them. So they started working two and three more jobs to pay for all the stuff God was, quote, blessing them with. Half away from the Lord. Friend, don't be that. Let us not be that. Let's settle here and now. As Paul said, that I want to know Christ. I count everything else as lost. And let us be secure in what Jesus said. That if you'll seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll take care of all those other things. They'll happen. God's got it all in the palm of his hand. When did you stop making disciples so that you could work two jobs? Friend, come on now. When did you start getting so stressed out about paying the bills that you stopped praying to the God who loves you? When did your prayer shift from Jesus, I just love you, show me who you are, to God, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, I need you to do that? Starting point is a few degrees off, friend. And today the Lord wants to bring us back in plumb line. He wants to line us back up with what really matters and the desires of our heart. So as you stand there with your head bowed and your eye closed, if this message is for you and you say, Pastor, that's what it is. I got so caught up in in taking care of business that I've lost real intimacy with the business that really matters, and that is seeking first the kingdom. He'll take your giftings. He'll take your intelligence. And as you use it for the kingdom business, prosper you and those around you it's happening in my life so with every head bowed and every eye closed if you feel like that this message was for you then right there where you stand just have a have a moment with the Lord say Lord I'm sorry I've gotten off kilter my trajectory is a little off I need to adjust it Lord I want you to come come back to the place congregation where you say God you're the only thing that matters to me I want you to come back I want you under your breath out of your mouth whatever you want to say say, I'm committed to seek first the kingdom I want you to come back to like Paul said. He says, I've considered it all lost. Lord, it's all, it's, not, it's all rubbish to me. I don't even care. I just want you. I want to I know the power of your resurrection. I want to attain to your likeness. Come on, let us not be that rich young ruler who want to know what we can do to get what we want from the God that we're supposed to be serving. What do I need to do to get what I want from you? This in, in and of itself is about as evil of a principle that could ever be brought forth and we see it permeating the church and the nation Father I thank you right now for every man and woman in this room our hearts are yours we belong to you you are the centerpiece of who we are and what we are and Jesus we declare as a church that no matter what happens in this nation why do the nations rage we're not going to rage why are they all upset we're not going to be upset because we're going to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you gave us a promise. We hold to it. That as we give all of ourselves to you, that you will take care of everything else. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that men and women in this room will start start giving their business to you. They'll take it out of their hands and put it in your hands. That, Lord God, they'll start using their business to propel the kingdom of God's business. That, Lord God, that they'll start using their intellect to propel the kingdom of God. That, Lord God, they'll start using, Lord God, their times of their day to seek forth your, 
your, your kingdom and your righteousness. And in that, Lord God, it all just, it'll just, it'll be magnificent how you bless. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place today and you, you're not a Christian, and, and in fact, you're not confident that if you, leaving this service today, were out at that intersection, your light turned green and the cross lane 18-wheeler runs that red light and hits the side of your vehicle and kills you and you stand before the living God. What's he going to say to you? Is he going to say, welcome, I'm so proud of you? Or is he going to look at you and say, I'm so sorry. I I tried to reach out to you. I kept sending people. That little guy over at that church on the hill was spitting and sputtering, trying to get your attention. You still didn't give him your attention. What will he say to you on that moment? Friend, I got good news for you. He's not mad at you. He's not trying to push you away. He's trying to draw you in. If you're away from the Lord, you're God. He wants a relationship with you. If you died today, you know you wouldn't go to heaven. Friend, this is your moment to make that change. You say, what do I got to do, Pastor? What do I got to do? Friend, he's already done it all. That's the point. He paid for it. He died on a cross. His blood dripped all down that wooden beam. He died a sinner's death, if you will, and resurrected newness of life. And he wants to do that for you and me. He's paid for it. You say, well, then what do I do? The Bible says confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That he is the Christ, the son of the living God. See, that's a starting, starting point to a relationship. That's like holding out your hand and saying, hi, my name's Adam. I'd like to know you. I'd like to be best friends with you. That is what's about to happen for those who are ready for the change of their life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not a Christian or you're away from God, you're ready to come home and you want me to pray for you. You say, Pastor, it's time. I need to come back to Jesus. With no one looking around, would you just be bold enough to lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. It's time. It's time for a change. Pray for me, Pastor. I don't want to live like this any longer. God bless you. I see that hand. Someone else. Pray for me, Pastor. God bless you. I see you back there. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? Give you a couple more seconds. Thank you, sweet love. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Pastor, pray for me. It's time. I'm ready to serve the Lord. Thank you, sir. Amen. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. About three more seconds. Three. Yeah, I see it. Thank you for your honesty. This is for you, not for me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to connect you and Jesus together. I speak to him a lot, so, so I'll kind of lead out. In fact, if you'll just repeat this prayer with me, I don't think the prayer is magical. I think the fact that you lifted your hand and said, I need God, is supernatural. And he's going to meet you right there. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray out loud with those who lifted their hand. Those who lifted your hand, let's mean this with everything that's within us. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Come on, out loud. Jesus. Today, I give you my life. I'm ashamed of what I've become, of how I've been living. And I ask you right now, forgive me. Wash away the shame. Wash away the guilt. I accept what you did on the cross for me and my sin. I declare, here and now, Jesus is my Lord. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I promise to serve you all of my days. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that was you drawing them out. Lord, I'm not a good enough preacher to make them have some kind of emotional moment. God, that was you tugging at their heart. You've been tugging at it for some time. And Lord, I thank you for the, I thank you for the honesty that they walked in today. I thank you, Lord God, for the, for the uh, integrity of the heart to say, I'm not right with God. It's time. I'm ready. I'm ready to be right with the Lord. 
Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that they come back to center point. And that, Lord, that everything that they begin to pursue will come line up with pursuing the kingdom of God. And that you then will take care of everything else. Lord God, bring it to the place where you're all that matters. Bring it to the place that nothing else can worry them or bring them in depression or frustration because you are the center of their world. And you will never leave us or forsake us. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And so, Father, in that, we seal this covenant relationship in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.